But before we do that, I want to share with you uh, about an Irish preacher by the name of Ira Presley. Ira Presley was not only a preacher, but he was a politician there in Ireland. Ireland. He shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one Sunday, he was preaching, and, and his sermon was on the final judgment. And we're going to be talking about the penalty for being fruitless. That Well, his sermon kind of coincided with what I'm sharing, and, and so he began to preach to the congregation. When he got to his uh, final point, uh, the very high point of his sermon, he shared with them the Scripture. Uh, when the final judgment comes, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And he let that kind of settle into the congregation. But before it, it really settled into the congregation. There was an elderly lady in that Irish church. Uh, and she piped up and said, Dr. Presley, I, I don't have teeth. Now, I, I wish that I had the kind of response that uh, Dr. Presley had, because he didn't miss a beat in his sermon. He said, Madam, teeth will be provided. So we want to talk about the penalty for a fruitless life. All right. Now, before we do anything else, right over there, there's Matthew and Leslie. Okay. Everybody take a look at them, target them, because again, this is going to be about welcoming them uh, into our fellowship after the service. Why is fruitful service unto God important? Why is it important? Why have we preached this series of sermons on being fruitful? Because God expects his church, God expects everyone in his church to be fruitful in kingdom work. Now, how in the world do I know that? John chapter 15 Let's begin with verse 1, all right? John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bear, bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, now friends, again, you don't bear fruit. There are consequences, and that's the sermon this morning. Uh, we hear the good news about God moving in our life and producing in this world. But what takes place if we set back on our laurels and do nothing? If we don't follow what God has said? Now remember, a fruitful life totally depends on my effort? No. On my personality? No. On how good I am? No. A fruitful life depends totally upon Jesus Christ. And so if it depends upon him, what takes place if we do not, if we refuse to follow his commands and live a life that produces fruit? Well, look at verse 6. John chapter 15, verse 6, and I would ask you to stand in honor of God's word. Now, there are three passages of scripture we're going to look at. We're going to look at John 15, 6. We're going to look at Matthew 13, 41 and 42, and we're going to look at that passage that Jesus told in Luke 16, 19 through 31. Three passages of Scripture that we're going to look at today. John 15, 6. If anyone does not bear fruit in me, or if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, 
and they are burned. Luke, or Matthew chapter 13, verse 41 and 42. Matthew 13, 41, 42. Going to need these three passages. We're going to talk about all of them. So we're going to take a look at each one. Matthew 13, 41 through 42. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. All right? We're setting a basis here. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Luke 16, 19 through 31. What is the penalty for a fruitless life? For just doing my own thing. Don't give a rip about what Jesus says. Don't follow him. Don't abide in him. Don't make him priority. I got enough things to do. I don't need Jesus in my life. What is the penalty for that? Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Now notice something. The beggar is named, the rich man is not. Full of sores, who was laid at the gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. See the contrast? No name was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in torment in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that they may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded by one who rises from the dead. Please be seated. The last two sermons are, are, they're sermons we need to know, but they're difficult, all right? He is Jesus, meek and mild. He is loving Jesus. But sweet friend, he is God, and God is just, and God is holy. And where there is sin, dear friends, how dare God? Well, sweet friends, we have a judicial system. 
And we realize that those who commit crimes must face justice. Is God to be any less? If the life he has given us, the opportunities he has provided for us, we squander them? What is the penalty for a fruitless life? Go back to verse 6. That's our key passage, all right? Go back to John 15, verse 6. The Bible says, he is cast out as a branch. The first thing we need to understand is this, that when we live a fruitless life, the result of that is that we are separated, separated from God. The scripture says this, cast out. The word cast out literally means to be expelled. It, it, it means to be thrown out. Not your will. You don't, no one walks into judgment into God. Uh, saying, I've heard people say, well, when I get to heaven, I, I'll negotiate with God. I'll share with God um, all my troubles and all my difficulties. And Lord, you didn't understand and you don't know what I had to go through. No one's going to do that. Scripture says they will be cast. They will be separated. What does that mean? The first thing it means is this. They will be barred from heaven. Now, now understand that. They will be barred. Isaiah 14, verse 12 says this. Now you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Sweet friend, understand. After death, man like Satan cannot go to heaven. Satan was barred. Look at the scripture. Fallen from heaven. You see that? The idea of the word fallen means to, to fall off a cliff. Literally, the idea is to, to fall into a hole that, that has no bottom. Any of you ever have a dream like that? Where, where you fall off something and, and you just continue to fall? That's the idea here. Satan has fallen from his place. He was the son of the morning. You see that? What that means is here is one in heaven who had authority. But because of his fruitless life, because of his sin, because he gave his life not over to God, but unto himself, he lost his authority. He lost his position. Down to the ground. What in the world does that mean? Well, the idea there is, is, is lowly. He, he lost his position. He says, low as he can go. But the idea in the Greek also carries this idea. That the only influence Satan has, th this son of the morning, who had great influence in heaven uh, among the celestial, this one, he only has influence now on earth. He's lost all influence with God. He's lost all relationship with God. Why? Look at the end of that. Why did this happen to Satan? Because he was a terrible sinner, because he lied, because he's the father of murder? Yes, all of that. But can I tell you the reason that God cast him down? Look at the end. You who weakened the nations. Can I tell you why Satan's in hell? Why that's his abode? It's because of what he did to you. 
God's creation. Because of the way he lied to you and the way he has treated you. Because the way he has harmed you. And when God looks at his people, he looks at them as a shepherd to his sheep. And anything that harms them becomes his enemy. Satan, because of who he was and what he did to you. Now, what does that mean? You got a bitterness this morning? You got a resentment? Somebody hurt you? Somebody cheated you? Somebody violated you? Dear friends, that's a terrible thing, but understand something. Whoever did that's not going to get away with it because God remembers. And because this life is short, and after that's the judgment. <laughs> Why, Satan? Because he hurt God's children. And you don't do that. Not only barred from heaven, but the penalty for a selfless life, a, a life lived for self, not lived for Jesus Christ, is a defeat in one's task. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 and 9, we look, we look at the task of Satan, what Satan was about. And the Bible says in Revelation 12, 7 through 9, and a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was the place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, and the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and the angels were cast out with him. Satan's desire was to be his own God, to do his own thing. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm going to have my own way. I'm going to control heaven and earth itself. All will dwell and worship me. We live in a society that's all about self, all about me. And that's from hell. That's what Satan was about. And the penalty for that lifestyle was defeat. The loss of a dream. No place in heaven. Cast to the earth. Now, now pastor, are you telling us that, that we should not pursue our dreams? We should No. Remember the premise of this. The reason Satan was judged is because he harmed you. God wants you to have dreams. God wants you to achieve. God wants you to be your person. But God also desires that you make him God, not you. That he be your Lord. And sweet friend, where that is not true, he knows. And it wounds his heart. And those who followed Satan are defeated. To be barred from heaven, to be defeated in your task. Now, how in the world does God do this? How does God bring about this separation? If a fruitless life results in separation, how does God do it? Matthew chapter 13, 41, that passage of Scripture we read at the beginning of the sermon. Look at what it says. The Bible says in Matthew 13, 41, the Son of Man will send out his angels. Now, who is the Son of Man? Jesus. Jesus, meek and mild. 
Jesus. Jesus will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Now, sweet friend, when you read that passage of Scripture, there is no resistance, there is no getting away. An angel in the Old Testament was able to take on on an army, one angel of 185,000 warriors, and defeat them. Nobody slips through the crack. Nobody gets away. Jesus sends out his stormtroopers, sends out his angels, And how in the world do his angels know who to gather in? Well, sweet friend, the scripture says they're identified here. And those who practice lawlessness. Those who break God's law. Those who choose to walk away from Jesus Christ and say, no thank you. the position, the peril that comes into the life of those who live a life for themselves. But verse 42 doesn't stop there. And will cast them into the furnace of fire and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The word that is used there, cast them, It is a word that means to be hurled. It means not willing to go. It means thrown by force. Sweet friend, some of you out there are saying, how in the world can God do this? Because he's God. Because, sweet friends, this is his world. Because if you remember the premise, if you harm my children, there will be justice. Is that because God's a vengeful God? Do you remember the reason that all of us are here this morning? Is God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. If you got a grudge with God over this, then, sweet friend, go back to the cross. All right? Fruitlessness, fruitlessness leads to separation. Fruitlessness causes spiritual withering. You go back to the passage of Scripture, John chapter 16, or John chapter 15, verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. What in the world is is Jesus saying there? What he's saying is this, that our spiritual nature, our relationship with God, if we choose to serve ourselves, to do our own thing, go our own way, it's all about me and what I want. Our spiritual relationship with God will wither away and it will die. Not only that, but our spiritual relationship with the congregation, with our family, with our friends will wither away and die because it will all be about us. We won't be as sensitive to the needs of those around us. We will not be as sensitive to their heartaches and their cares. We will not feel the urge to pray for them or minister to them. Because, sweet friends, inside we're spiritually dead. 
It also means we wither away and we will not sense and be sensitive to the direction, the protection, and the blessing of God. How do I know that? It says, in their trespasses. The word trespass. The the word sin is a word that means rebellion against God. That's what sin is. We can make it light. We can say like lies. There are white lies and black lies, but that's a lie. We can minimize sin, but sin in the eyes of God is rebellion against him. Any of you ever had children? And you told them to do something, and they looked at you defiantly and said no. But the word trespass, that's a different word. Who are these individuals? The word trespass means actively involved in. It means actively involved in the purpose to do wrong. It means habitual behavior. That's what trespass means. That's who we're talking about here. They're individuals who are enslaved to sin. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, the scripture says, these individuals are the sons of disobedience among whom also all of you once conducted yourself in the lust of your own flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Dear friends, the consequences of fruitlessness are horrendous. It is a lifestyle lived only for what I want, and I don't care what anyone says. The penalty of fruitlessness is separation. The penalty of fruitlessness is a withering away spiritually. And the penalty of fruitlessness brings suffering. Luke 16, verse 23 and 24. Luke 16, 23 and 24. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in the flame. The word torment in the Greek is used four times in this passage of Scripture. It's used in verse 23, 24, 25, and 28. Over and over and over again. The word torment means agony, grief, anguish. The rich man, separation from God, a life lived fruitlessly, a life lived for self, is a life that's rewarded with torment and grief. Verse 27 and 28 of Luke 16 says, Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that they may be testified to, lest they also come to this place. I've heard people say when they go to hell, they're going to be with all of their friends. There is no fellowship in hell. There is no camaraderie in hell. What there is is grief and torment 
And according to verse 30 and 31 of Luke chapter 16, anguish. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. There is anguish. What more can God do? He sent his only begotten son, was crucified on a tree, died for us. What more does God have to do? Now, like you, I have loved ones who've walked away from Jesus. And with all of my heart, like the man in hell, I would cry out for mercy for them. But sweet friend, I cannot save them. They have a choice. And as much as we love them, as much as God loves them, if they choose to walk away from him, there is a penalty for a fruitless life. What is the final penalty for a fruitless life? A fruitless life finishes in hell. That's what the scripture says. And can I tell you something about hell? Hell was the main reason that Jesus came to earth. Because he didn't want you to go there. If there wasn't a hell, Jesus wouldn't have come. But because there is, we live in a world of complacency. We live in a world that ignores reality. If you don't believe that, look at Congress, okay? Is there a hell? Dear friends, let me share with you that Jesus Christ believed that there's a hell. With all of his heart. We think when we talk about hell, it's a scare tactic. Or we believe that science doesn't teach there can be a hell. And we believe it's inconsistent to the love of God. And if God loves us all, he would never send us to hell. But what did Jesus believe? There are 52 references about hell in the scripture. 15 of those, Jesus is the one that brings them up. Jesus talks about it. Jesus believed in hell. And Jesus shared with his disciples judgment and final separation of the good and the evil. Jesus is the one to describe the gnashing of teeth, the weeping and the wailing, the outer darkness, the second death, the burning, the trash heap, all given that people would not go to hell. The teachings of Jesus are unnerving. It speaks of people being apart from the love of God and lost eternally. Hell is a place 
Please hear this. Hell is a place where people are allowed to live with the consequences of their own choosing. Understand that. That's what hell is. It is that grief and that sorrow of unresolved harm we have brought into the heart of God and the lives of others. Hell is not a place created by an angry, frustrated God. It is not a place where a satanic tyrant takes his frustration out on his helpless creatures. Hell is ultimate destruction. Matthew 10, 28 says this, And do not fear those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. That's what hell is. It's total destruction. It's being separated from the love of God. It is something to fear. The word destroy here does not mean annihilate. In other words, sweet friend, the fruitless, when they die, it's not all there is. The word that is used here in the Greek means loss, ruin. God did not prepare hell for his people. He prepared it for the angels and the devil. Revelation 20.10 Those that go to hell have rejected Jesus Christ. And when they go there, They are separated from his goodness, his righteousness, his truth, his joy, and his peace. And they have, in that place, destroyed lives. What is hell? What is the final? It's unquenchable fire. Mark 9, 45. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into fire into the fire that shall never be quenched the word hell is a word that means Gehenna Gehenna is a valley outside the old walls of Jerusalem and in Gehenna that was the trash heap And what they would do is bring their filth and they would deposit it in the valley of Gehenna and they would set it afire. And the fire would burn all day and all night, every day, always. And the stench from the valley of trash burning prevailed the city. And when Jesus spoke about hell, he vividly said to the people, it is Gehenna. You've been there. You've taken your trash there. You've thrown it into the fire that is never quenched. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin... 
Rebellion against God is death. The word death means separation, abyss, darkness. That's the ultimate end. A fire that is not quenched. Eternally going over and over and over again. Your failure to accept Christ. Should we go back to the rich man? Over and over and over again, realizing his brothers are going to spend eternity in the anguish he's experiencing. It is the worst suffering known to man. It is a place that God did not prepare for us. But it is the place of final judgment. John 5 Verse 28 through 29. All of this goes back to a fruitless life. All of this goes back to living your life for yourself. All of this goes back to I don't give a rip what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. John 5, 28 through 29. Do not marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. It is the final judgment. It's when all debts are paid. It's when all comes back home. And it's coming. And Christ is the judge. And he knows all things. Dear friends, let me read you a scripture, please. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter 3, 9. Who goes to hell? Now, Pastor, you, you've painted this serious picture. Who goes to hell? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, so what does that mean? You got a brother, you got a sister, you got a husband, you got a wife, you got a child away from God? Then what is God doing right now? Is he planning a place in hell for that loved one? No. For God so loved, what God is doing right now is trying to move all circumstances, everything in this world, to bring your loved one to him. Because God wants your loved one to be with him forever, without exception. Because God's desire is that no one would perish, but that all would be with him. That was the purpose of Jesus' coming. Now, can I nail that down? You're part of God's plan. Should I say it again? You're part of God's plan. That means in God reaching your loved one, he wants to use you. You mean, Pastor, 
I'm going to say, no, you're not going to save them. But part of the fruitfulness that he wants from you is a witness to that lost loved one of a love they cannot deny. Now, can I tell you something else, too? Hardest people to win are our families. And I'll tell you something else about our families. They'll drive us crazy. But the Lord God wants us to live before him in such a way that we bear fruit. And they see Christ in us. Now, am I telling you to let them abuse you? No. But what I'm telling you is the fruit of your relationship, even with the lost, brings eternal results. Jesus talked about his invitation. Come unto me, ye blessed of the Father. His desire is for you to come to him. His desire is not for you to be in darkness, not for you to be separated. His desire is that you would live a fruitful life with him forever. His desire is to forgive. And that's why he sent his only begotten son. Sweet friend, let's be in the hands of God an instrument. When God says, who will go? Let us say, Lord, let it be me. Lord, whatever you want to do to reach those around me, Heavenly Father, let me be part of the plan. Understanding it will cost you. Understanding it will not be easy. Understanding they may never change. But you're not doing it for them. You're doing that to be part of God's plan. To bring honor and glory to him. But pastor, I can't forgive him. Well, sweet friend, let me tell you something. I can't ask you to do that. But what I can ask you to do is take your hurt and your bitterness to him. Take it to Jesus. And let him give you his heart, his love. Why? Because, sweet friend, the fruitless will spend eternity away from God. That's our mission. That's what God's called us to. That's why God placed us here in this world. We have a mission. And our mission is to be fruitful. And the harvest is white. And it's all around us. Are we going to choose to be fruitful? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, this is a lesson all of us need to see. It's not just for one or two, but it's for every one of us. Because, Lord, our tendency is just what we need, what we want. Heavenly Father, for many, they have over decades tried to reach out to those that they love and been rebuffed over and over again. And, Lord, there comes a moment when we say, what is the use And yet, Lord, the Scripture says unto us, it is the heart of God to pursue that which is lost. Jesus said he didn't come for those that are well, those that are righteous, those that are right with God. He came for the lost sheep of Israel, those who were broken. And Heavenly Father, we have a choice. And our choice is either to live our lives for ourselves or to join him. And Heavenly Father, if we join Jesus, if we desire to be fruitful in our life, he'll direct us. It probably won't be an edict from the pulpit. It'll be an edict from the heart of God. And he'll guide us each step. And Lord, there will be a cost but the reward is so much greater than the cost. The reward, Lord, is the blessed presence of Jesus and the glory at the end when Jesus says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, that's the desire. That's the greatest reward we could hear from the one who died for us and loved us, that we have followed him and faithfully served. And Lord, much to our surprise, because of that kind of life, others will follow us to Jesus. And so, Lord, help us to be faithful. This we ask. And Lord, I would pray now For those that we love who have chosen to walk from the Master. Lord, go beyond even our efforts in our testimony. Do what we cannot do for those that weigh heavy on our heart and draw them. Draw them to your side for we know that you are powerful. Bless now. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.